Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is unlike anyone I've had on the show before. I've never said this about anybody, but we are in the presence of a true Renaissance man. Not only has he saved and scaled over 2,000 small businesses, but he has been able to do it in only three years. On top of that, he has been a highly successful fencing champion and a world-class dating expert. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. He has a systematic way of being successful in everything he does. And we have the pleasure of having him on the show today. Let's give it up for Adam Lyons. Adam, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an introduction. I, uh, I appreciate that a lot. Well, I've worked really hard on this introduction just to let you know, because I know how much value you add to your customers, your clients, and I know you're going to add a lot of value to my audience. So I just wanted to start off with a bang. So I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. It, yeah, it's crazy. I get called a Renaissance man quite a lot. Um, and I think it's uh, because of the sword fighting for sure. You know, I was an international fencer. Um, competed in in multiple countries. Uh, at one point, I was uh, top six in South Africa and top three in London, um, which is you know I was never number one in the world. But I always like to say that if I don't recognize you, uh, I can probably beat you in a sword fight, and that's like one of my because <laughs> I, I know all the champions. Um, so I'm I'm good. I, I'm not the best, but I'm good. Um, and yeah, you know I was voted number one dating coach in the world three years in a row. Um, I own sixteen companies. I'm an investor. Um, I taught myself to play the ukulele and sing during COVID, which uh, I think adds to the Renaissance man thing. And it's funny. I I love what you said, because I'm not saying this to brag. I I really do have a system of getting good at anything I want to get good at rapidly. And it's it's really funny because it frustrates my fiance, soon to be wife. We get married next week. Uh, because, uh, congrats, man. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. She hates my method. Um, she wanted to learn the piano and I, I was like, just do it like this and get good really quickly. And I think within an hour, I was better than her. And she got really annoyed because neither of us played the piano. Uh, but having said that, I mean, she's stuck with it and she's actually now significantly better than I am. I just played for that one hour. Um, but I love doing that. I love picking up something new and then getting ridiculously good at it. Um, you know, probably just the top 15% or 20% of people, right? Not like the best of the best. Um, but considering most people never attempt anything, it's really easy to get in the top 25%. Um, and then uh, and then you can do even better. So yeah. No, I'm with you. And I know the audience is going to learn so much from you. And I'm so excited to have you. A little selfishly, because I know I'm going to learn so much from you. So for those of you who are listening, Adam has saved and scaled over 2,000 small businesses since launching his company, Smart Blueprint, in 2020. Beyond his own portfolio of growing companies, Adam is an advisor for over 500 brands across the US and Canada and has been featured on the Today Show, the Steve Harvey Show, Forbes, and the New York Post. And I'm sure there's been a lot since uh, I put this together. Check out his website at thesmartblueprint.com. You could also find him on Instagram at theadamlyons. Lyons is spelled L-Y-O-N-S. And also on the smartblueprint.com, there is a free gift. So check that out. The address for that is the smartblueprint.com slash gift. It is on time management. And I know we will probably get into time management at some point during this conversation. And he also 
if he doesn't have already a million things going on, he does have a podcast called The Smart, or it's called Smart Businesses Do This, where he interviews experts each week as they share how to transform your current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and doesn't cause burnout. All right. I know we already got into it, but I always ask the same question to every guest because I love to hear their response to it. And it's Mm -hmm. a very groundbreaking first question. So are you ready for it? Go for it. Do this. How are you doing, man? (laughs) I'm good. I am ridiculously good, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm getting married next week. So that's um, forefront of my mind. Uh, I think uh, I've got a teeth whitening session after this. And, um, you know, for pictures or what have you, uh, right. I've been, been uh, really focused on my diet the last couple of weeks, just, uh, because we're going to be on a cruise ship. We're getting married on a cruise ship. So, um, you know, make sure you got that, that beach body going and, um, and yeah, I leave on Tuesday. So today's Friday. So like three days. That's incredible. I know we normally start the show with origin stories and all of that, but I'd like to have- just hear a little bit about the origin story since you are getting married, the origin story of how you met your soon to be wife. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a crazy one. Um, so, um, yeah, number one dating coach in the world, I think kind of has to be addressed at that point. Um, so, uh, I was number one dating coach in the world for three years. And during that time, I tested many different styles of relationship for myself. Um, I tested monogamy. I got married. And, um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And, um, I stuck with it. You know, my marriage was great. And one day my, my wife back then, my previous wife woke up and said, uh, that she doesn't want children, <clears throat> at least not biological children. And, um, that was kind of a deal breaker for me. Like I got married because I wanted to have my own children. And so I, I said to her, I'm, I'm going to divorce you over this. And, uh, she was a, a Ford model. Um, she was, um, you know, a dancer on, uh, on, uh, the TCU, uh, team, uh, back when she was younger. And, uh, so she says, I'm too beautiful for you to divorce. And, uh, oh my so goodness. handed her <laughs> papers and got divorced. And at the time I had a best friend who was a lesbian and she said, well, I love you. And I was like, and I love you too. And she said, no, I, I love you. And I was like, oh my God, my best friend is into me. And I was like, you only date women. And she's like, yeah, but I've definitely had some men and you're the kind of guy that I would date. And so we started dating and she said, um, but I'm not going to give up women for you. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so I said, I'm not going to give up women for you either then. <laughs> and she laughed and she said, good move. And so I explored a relationship with a woman where we both would go out and meet women for her, but also for me. And, uh, we go to a, a bar and, and there's this beautiful woman there, this Russian woman. And, um, my, my girlfriend at the time really wanted to date her. And so I did an introduction and, and kind of was the third wheel to be honest on that first date. Uh, but they got really into each other and they drugged me into the bedroom. And before I know it, I'm dating two women. And uh, it was very quiet. We didn't really tell anyone about it for probably about two and a half years. I and mean, we had children together. I mean, we didn't say anything. And then a reporter from the Daily Mail worked out what was going on. And uh, they, they did an expose on us and we went viral. We, we became the, the faces of polyamory. And, and in fact, the reason that polyamory is so prevalent 
in our culture now, we were the faces. We were the ones that it was about. So we ended up on the Steve Harvey show, the Today Show. I mean, everyone was interviewing us about our relationship. Um, it was very controversial at the time um, and also a lot of fun. Um, as the years developed, um, the the lady that was that, that was into women, um, our relationship started to wane. Um, you know, yeah. I'm a guy, um, and uh, so um, so she kind of wanted to go off and do other things. Uh, we were never married. It was you know she was my my best friend, always still friends, uh, but she went off and did other things. And me and and Eve, the Russian, we we kind of bonded and, and stayed together. And so we're coming up on ten years. It'll be ten years next. Uh, it was ten years yesterday officially. And or the day before yesterday, and um, we decided to to get married after ten years. So, so that's the that's the whole story. That, that really. is quite that is quite a story. I I just think the road of life is so unpredictable. And if you try to predict what's going to happen, what road you're going to go down, and hold on to that, you're going to be miserable. It, you seem like a guy who kind of embraces the unknown, embraces the unpredictable. Like you have this just sense about you that, you know what, you're going to give it your best. You're going to give it your all. You, you sound like obviously a very intelligent man, <laughs> but at the same time, like you understand that life is life and you're going to pursue it and things are going to happen the way that they're always supposed to happen. I think I've always challenged the norm and uh, I don't like rules that somebody states I have to follow without me looking into it. I think it's why I'm successful at business. I think it's why I'm so good at helping companies. It's definitely why I was good at dating. And, um, and it's definitely served me well in life where if someone says, Hey, this is how it is. Uh, I, my instant response will be, but does it always have to continue being that way? What, what else could be done? Um, this has been very useful with AI over the last few months. Um, I, I've been told by many AI experts, the way that I interact with AI is not only the correct way to do it, even though I've you know, never worked with an expert, but also the answers I get out of AI are a bit different to other people because I approach it from a different way. I will often have four or five different AI systems and I will pull out elements from each of them and combine them afterwards. And um, this is something, a lot of people are getting a single output. You know, They might use Jasper and pull out one output or ChatGPT and pull out one output or MidJourney. Right. And I'll combine them all and then, you know, so I'll brainstorm in chat GPT for what I'm going to put in Jasper and then, and then piece it all together. So to me, it, it, it's more of a, a mashup of a whole bunch of different things. And, um, and that's because I like challenging the status quo. If someone's like, this is the best way to do it. I'm like, well, what if it was different? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so a lot of people, for example, uh, for, I'm doing a lot of AI stuff right now, but like with chat GPT, they'll train it to write in a certain way. And they'll be like, I want you to write this like Dan Kennedy, or I'd like you to write this like, um, you know, uh, like Grant Cardone would write it or something like that. And instead, I will start with, um, here are 10 really good Aesop's fables. I'd like you to read them all. And, uh, and then I'm like, um, now this is the story selling structure. And so I'll give it the story selling structure. And I'm like, um, I like stories that have morals built into them. And then I also like my stories to have a takeaway. And I'll say like, do you understand? If so, say yes. And the AI is like, yes, I do understand. It's like, okay. Are you familiar with the works of um, Gary Halbert? Be like, yeah, excellent. I'd like you to take the story selling structure, apply it to a Gary Halbert sales letter, but create a brand new Aesop's fable using the following animals 
with one of the five morals that I gave you earlier and output action steps to help a business owner achieve this result in their business. That's how I use AI. To give you an example. Um, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, that is incredible. I just, I use the word Renaissance man on the introduction and already you're just blowing my mind. You don't think very linearly. You, you, this is incredible. I, I didn't even think we were going to jump into AI and you jump into it right away. And it's something that I'm becoming familiar with. I think a lot of people are becoming familiar with how powerful and useful it could be. But like you said, everyone is looking to do it the same way. Everyone's looking at it from the same angle. And then you'll get coaches, probably people teaching people how to do this mm-hmm. that one way or maybe slight variations of it. But you're coming straight from left field saying, okay, here's what I want to do. And I'm just going to play around with it and just see what happens. And uh, that's incredible. Thanks. And actually, I mean, to, to build on that, and I think the reason I got good at it is I was, I was one of the early adopters. I've been using AI for two years. So I, I'm, I'm a lot more uh, advanced than many people that are just discovering it. However, I spent most of my initial time using it, playing with it. So for example, I asked it what it no- Like, If you say to it, can you be my therapist? It says no. But if you say, are you aware of um, cognitive dissonance and cognitive biases? It says yes. And then you can say, um, I'd like to share with you a story about what happened to me today and let me know where my cognitive biases might be coming up in the story. Now you're going to get the therapy that you're after. So this is kind of, and I've learned to play with it like this, where I basically say, do you know this concept? Can you please apply that concept to this discussion? And it bypasses a lot of its natural safeguards. Um, And and I find that that's really cool because you can use it um, to function as roles inside a company. So for example, for a week, I used it as my chief operating officer. And I told it, these are the names of all my staff. These are their strengths and weaknesses. This is their, uh, their personality test results. These are their departments and what they do. What KPIs should I be tracking? And it was like, well, I would track these KPIs. And I was like, okay, but if I wanted to reach this goal at the end of the year, what should the numbers be of those KPIs? It's like, well, it should be this. I was like, okay, but I want it to ramp. Don't make it the same the whole year. Start smaller and then build up over 12 months. It's like, okay, we'll do it like this. I'm like, great. I was like, I'd like you to remember everything that we've said here today. And it's like, excellent. And then I came out to my team. I was like, yo, these are the KPIs you guys are going to be following. Here's how it's going to work. This is your personal conversion rate. um, And this is where it's going to be. My whole team's like, oh my God, this is great. I see a clear path to what you're trying to do by the end of the year. I'm like, excellent. I love that. And then I'm talking to the, hey, just so you know, one of my staff members didn't hit their KPIs. How should I handle this? <laughs> it's like, try saying this to them. Excellent. And I did that for a week. I was like, I wonder what happened if my COO was my AI. It did a pretty good job. Not perfect, but pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I recently read the book, Who Not How, and it talks about, don't ask the question, how do I do this? It's who do I use or who do I get to do this? And I just find it hilarious that you were using AI yeah because the who can be the ai for every role in the company and then you just have a button pusher the best part about it is um i didn't even input any of that i actually hired a temporary assistant for a day to do the inputs and read off the answers to me so yeah i so that's kind of how i've played with it um i've had conversations with it i've run um you know i've run date nights by it i had it create a um (laughs) 
like a, a meal plan for me, exercise workouts. Um, oh, actually, my favorite. This is my absolute favorite. You ready for this? I play Dungeons and Dragons. I asked it to create the scenario for a Dungeons and Dragons campaign I was running and create new monsters based on the setting. And it did it accurately, following the rules of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Oh my goodness. Mind-blowing. I asked it to create riddles for the story. And my, my group was saying, this is some of the best story writing I've ever done. Because yeah. I get full direction descriptions. I'm like, normally I'm just like, okay, you find yourselves in a cavern and in front of you there are three orcs. No, punch into ChatGPT. ChatGPT is like a dark, lonely cavern with ichor dripping from the ceilings. You hear wet footsteps as three green scaled creatures approach. And I'm just like, this is so much better than anything I would ever bother writing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm in the works of starting a second book myself. And the creativity that's that's just oozing out of this is is incredible. So you had mentioned a system to excel. Mm-hmm. Now, AI, you're messing with it. That's just a tool. Correct system. Taking taking a step back, part of the system, you approach things. It seems like from a completely different angle, and I'm assuming the systems you use because I I've done quite a bit of research. A lot of people I interview talk about, you know, find a coach, find a coach, find a coach. And you have mentioned, yes, find a coach, but find the best coach. Find the person who is just killing it at whatever you want to do, get mentored by them. And now you're taking decades of experience and you're condensing it into such a small time frame. Yeah. And With- I think my martial arts background shows here. Um, obviously, huge fan of Bruce Lee. You know, I'm, I'm Gen X. So Bruce Lee was like my, my martial arts hero growing up pre-Jackie Chan and, and those guys. And, um, you know, Bruce Lee was also a philosopher and he had some great phrases, right? Like one of them was, um, before you know martial arts, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. When you study martial arts, you realize a punch is no longer a punch and a kick is no longer a kick. But when you master it, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And he also says, I fear not the man that knows a thousand ways to punch. I fear the man that knows one way to punch and has trained it a thousand times. Well, if you take these two concepts, it means you don't have to learn everything. You just need to know what is the one or two things that somebody who's very good relies on more than anything else and get good at that and drill that until it's boring as hell and just do that. And I know this with fencing. In fencing, I only have four or five moves and I have won international tournaments with four or five moves, right? So I, at one point I was a uh, number one uh, fencer in a, a championship in, in a, an area called KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, I won that whole tournament against like, you know, 30 people using probably the same four or five moves the whole time, just cycling through them. Um, I'm pretty good at Mortal Kombat, the video game. I say pretty good, like again, unless you're a professional, you probably can't beat me. And uh, my friends love coming over my house saying they're good at Mortal Kombat and then getting beaten. but. I can play with any character because I don't use half their super moves. I'm just using punches, blocks, and throws and jumping. And again, it's the same basic moves, but I'm really good at punches, blocks, throws, and jumping. And, um, and I'll just focus on that. So when I want to get good at a new skill, I will find the best person in the world at that skill. The best. Not someone who's local and good, but the best. And then I will say to them, how much for an hour of your time? And they'll give me a price. It's very rarely an insane number. I find it's always 1500 bucks or less, 
Most often it's 300 to 500 bucks. Um, you can go to intro.co right now and you can hire experts for 500 bucks. Like it's really not expensive. I mean, you can literally hire like one of the founders of Reddit on intro.co for less than 500 bucks, right? So it's, I'm not kidding when I say like it can be cheaper than you think. And then all you do is when you get there, explain to them what you want to achieve as quick as possible. And then say in their mind, what are like the two or three things that you should focus on getting really good at? And what is the best resource to teach me those things? And what practice should I be doing every day to do them? So for example, with the ukulele, I explained I taught myself the ukulele, I hired a, a top world-class ukulele player that I found on YouTube to do the basics. <clears throat> and they taught me about the four chord song, which is uh, four basic chords that make up most songs. And they were like, get very, very good at these four chords. I was like, okay, get very, very good at these four chords. And uh, once I got really good at those four chords, I could sing most songs. And then after that, then it was a simple case of, okay, now I'll add a fifth chord and a sixth chord until I could do all sorts of cool things. But I really just drilled those four chords for 15 minutes every day, over and over and over and over again, changing up strumming patterns, but still the same four chords, trying them in different orders, the same four chords. And that's how you get really good. And now most people don't know is that I really only know like seven or eight different chords. I mean, I really don't know many, but I've learned how to play songs that use those kind of chords and, and I can do it. And it's the same when it comes to business, um, when it comes to relationships, I just train at the thing that makes you really good. Um, an example, a totally different example. Um, I, I wanted to do some MMA recently. And um, a, lot, a lot of people, I think, if they're going to do MMA, they're going to, step one, look for an MMA gym, right? I think that's the first that's thing. That's right. Step one, find a gym. Yep. So that wasn't step one for me. Step one for me was find a UFC fighter who's retired. And so I found uh, Will Campuzano, who's like a, a championship fighter. And I contacted him and I'm like, how much for a private session? It's the very first thing. And uh, he's like, you can't train with me, but you can train one of my coaches. I'm like, great. I'll come down to the gym. And I turned up at the gym and Will was there and, and this coach was there. And I trained with him and I'm very fast because of fencing and I've done a bunch of martial arts and, and I did pretty good. And Will came up to me at the end and said, would you like to spar? And I went, yeah, yeah, I would. And so I sparred with Will Camposano. I, I, I got to, to spar with a UFC fighter on my first day, my first day in an MMA That's gym. Incredible. Sparring with this dude. And, um, and we got on really well and we had a laugh and I hit him with some moves he didn't know because of fencing. And I showed him like the way that um, in fencing, we'll, we'll, we call it a disengage, but it's where you change the angle of the punch on the way in. And it's not really done in most martial arts, but Bruce Lee did it a lot because Bruce Lee took Wing Chun Kung and Kung Fu and merged them with fencing and Western boxing. And the fencing component is what makes the JKD, uh, which is the way to intercept the fist, because in fencing, we block and punch at the same time. Whereas most martial arts, you know, boxing, you block and then punch. In fencing, you do it at the same time. It's very common. So he'd never done fencing. And so it was a really cool conversation because, of course, he knew who Bruce Lee was. And so we bonded really well. And it turned to a point where I was like, all right, now how much for one day at my house? And suddenly you went from I won't work with you to giving me uh, a quote. I, I won't share it, but I will say it's within the range of, of what I said it would be for an hour. And, um, and he's like, yeah, I'll come to your house and I'll, I'll, we'll spar for a whole day. And so I, I've set a date. 
in the future to spend a day sparring with this UFC fighter. Now, I'm not going to enter the UFC. I'm not interested in, in doing that. I don't even want to fight in MMA. I just wanted to train against one of the best in the world to improve a skill. And that's what I do. And the reason that our gift that we give away is time management is because I run 16 companies. I have five children. Um, I have a wife. Um, I have multiple homes. I consult for, I mean, thousands of companies. And I still have time to play with my kids, watch movies, stay up to date with all the TV shows I want to, train for a UFC fight I'm never going to have, do my fencing. I fence twice a week still, um, and I still paint. So, yeah. <laughs> that is quite a bit. The listeners don't know this, but I was supposed to have you on a few months ago mm -hmm. and last minute canceled the, uh, the recording and come to find out the reason why. And this, this for the listeners, this, ha this is very common in, in the podcast world, but I had gotten an email, I believe from your assistant. Yeah. There was a company that you were working for, working with, building up. And I guess they had a financial crisis going on. Like just like. Yeah. They, you know, um, they lost $5 million. Um, and so what had happened is October last year, I made a prediction that they were going to lose a large amount of money if they didn't take certain steps. And they didn't take those steps. And I gave them a, a report that said, if you do these things, this won't happen. And I do that often if there's a company I really want to work with. It's one of my favorite calling cards. Rather than giving them a business card, you give them a two-page report. Here's the warning I'm seeing. Here's the steps to prevent it. Good luck. And uh, they went, it's same as always. Everyone says the same. Thanks, but no thanks. But like, yeah. if I give you one of those cards, you should pay attention because I know I'm about to make money. Uh, sure enough, five months later, they're tracking down revenue, losing a million a month over five months. And I get a phone call, unfortunately, the same time I'm supposed to podcast with you. And uh, they said, can you please come to our office as an emergency? What would it cost to fix this? And does your plan still work? Like, can we still use that plan? And I was like, it needs tweaking because this is now post-event, not pre-event. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I made... Um, I, I, I made a, a very good amount of money for going in and helping them. And they were in, in a catastrophe. I mean, they were in a bad way. So. Yeah. Well, my guess is from losing a million dollars a month, mm -hmm. whatever you told them would be very reasonable for we them. Yeah. We stopped it in one week. I mean, I stopped the hemorrhaging in a single week. So they went from losing a million months to stopping it. And then every month after that, we grew at a rate of, of almost double, not exactly double, but almost double. Um, and so we turned it, I mean, we turned it around. It, it was, it's on a really good course correction now. And, and I'm out of the project now. I'm like, Hey, I've, I've done my bit. I'm not interested anymore. It gets boring. Once I've solved the problem, I'm, I'm kind of bored. So I, I yeah. move on to the next thing. Well, it's funny because when, when I read what you had to do, all I envisioned was a bat signal going off <laughs> and like you were Bruce Wayne about to enter the banquet bat signal goes off and you're like, Hey bro, I got to do my thing superheroes work is never done. And so <laughs> I, I love it. It's kind of what it's like sometimes. Um, I remember this one time I got a phone call from a company in Austin at 5am and they were like, you're awake. And I'm often awake at that time. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, can you come to a breakfast? Um, we've paid a million dollars to run an event. It's a four day event. Uh, we're two days in, we've only made 400 grand. No one's buying anymore. We've got nothing else to sell. Uh, we need 600 grand to break even in two days. We don't know who else to call. I mean, I get phone calls like that quite a lot. And I think in the end, um, I think we took 800K by the time I finished. So we got 1.2. But then in follow-up sales, I think it was like 3.8 million. By oh the my end. goodness. So it was like a massive turnaround, you know, like 
instantly 800, which fixed the problem. But then we had the follow-up and the follow-up, like just, just completely turned it into a win. So, yeah. Man, these stories are just monumental and <laughs> larger than life. I want to rewind a little bit because you're, you came from humble beginnings, correct? Yeah, very much so. I, uh, I grew, grew up in a project. Um, yeah, it was rough. So what was your motivation? Because you are a true rags to riches story and you're living an incredible life that you've created. And what was one of the big motivations? Because everyone has their own motivations. A lot of people have a chip on their shoulder being told you're going to amount to nothing. And that's what drives them forward. What was one of the main things that drove you forward as you were uh, growing up? Um, I think for me, it was safety. Um, most people have parents that will look after them. I, I have parents, but my parents uh, made it very clear they would never look after me. Like it was very clear that at 18, you're on your own. I actually got kicked out at 16. Um, my dad um, definitely a few years later helped me out when I was, I was homeless, like actually homeless. And he let me sleep on the floor for a few years um, while I was like trying to get back on my feet. But he made it very clear to me that, you know, I sucked and um, he would do fun things. Like I remember trying to build my business and my dad would disconnect the internet as I was uploading a website back when it took a while to do that. So yeah. collapse. and he would do that. Like, I remember it took like seven or eight days to get a website up because he found it funny to disconnect it as it was going up to remind me how much of a loser I am and I don't pay for the internet. So he's allowed to disconnect it if he wants. Um, and that, that was what I dealt with, which is funny because that ended up with me solving that problem by working in Starbucks. And that was when Starbucks was offering free internet. And um, I started, became one of the early adopters of that coffee shop internet culture. Um, and, and that was, I think, the first time I problem solved a, a business issue. And from there, that kind of started my mindset in the right way. And then I became very problem solving focused. Like, okay, what problem can I solve? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And that was, um, you know, a key part of, of who I am and, and who I've become. And I'm not going to say that things aren't difficult sometimes and that we don't have problems because obviously that happens. However, I tend to be able to come up with at least two or three solutions and to move through them. Now, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing that because, man, I know we all have our our upbringings and our stories, but I, I can't even imagine, um, going through something like that, but it sounds like there was a lot of good that came out of it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I got disowned by my mom, uh, which is why I got kicked out as a teen. Um, my, uh, you know, I said my dad, my dad found it fun to bully me while I was down, um, and, and liked keeping me there. Um, so that was kind of like, that was the culture I grew up in, you know, um, so I didn't have support. And so I always knew if I messed up, no one would have my back. Like th there is no one there to support me. So rather than just give up and become some loser, I was like, well, I, I should make sure I can look after myself. And that was kind of how it started. And it's, you know, teaching myself to cook, teaching myself, you know, basic things like that. Like I always joke, um, I used to joke when I was dating, I'd be like, I'm house trained. <laughs> like I can cook, clean, do the laundry. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm fully house trained. And, um, and that was, it was funny. Women always laugh about that. It was a good, uh, it, it was a good way to, to build rapport, but it, it was also true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very well trained as a, as an adult. And, uh, and I think that helps a lot, um, because I'm so self-sufficient, but I can, I have bandwidth for other people. You know, I've, I've got it on a rhythm so I can help others. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that.
For everybody listening, Adam has saved and scaled over 2,000 small businesses since launching his Smart Blueprint program in 2020. Beyond that, he's got a portfolio of growing companies, and he is an advisor for over 500 brands across the U.S. and Canada. It's been featured on, like we've talked about, the Today Show, the Steve Harvey Show, Forbes, and the New York Post. Check out his website, thesmartblueprint.com. Also, check him out on Instagram at the Adam Lyons. Thank you. Well, let's let's jump into the Smart Blueprint because we've t- been talking a little bit about systems and things like that. I'm assuming this is the way that essentially you take a business, no matter where they are, small, medium, large, lots of problems, little problems, things like that. It seems like one of, and we'll get into superpowers here in a little bit. It seems like one of your superpowers is able, you can look at a business and immediately know, like a doctor looking at a, at a patient, what's going on. You had mentioned stopping the hemorrhaging of money out of this business. So is that... Is that what the smart blueprint is about or? Yeah, it kind of is. So um, the reality is the smart blueprint is always in flux because businesses evolve and change. So like the original version of the smart blueprint doesn't have AI. So we're already working on a a new version. So we're constantly updating it. Um, I I lecture at the University of Texas in Austin on entrepreneurship. I'm actually one of the professors. Well, I'm a a guest lecturer and a guest professor, not actually uh, not an in-house professor. and one of my favorite lectures is intentional versus accidental entrepreneurship. And most business owners are accidental entrepreneurs. They have no idea what they're doing. They've got an idea for a business. They've started to make money. And they also don't like hearing that, by the way. They don't like being told you have no idea what you're doing. Like, well, I must have some idea. I'm making lots of money. you know. Um, and then I always say, well, if you're making less than $38.5 million a year, you're a small business. Um, so how does that feel? And, you know, the ones that are doing 20 million and think they're amazing and they're like, wait, I'm a small business. Yeah. You don't become enterprise. You don't become enterprise until you cross 40 million. And even then you're at the lowest end of enterprise level. I mean, you still suck, you know, like you're, you're making okay money, but it's not anything that's going to impact the world in a big way. They don't like hearing that. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. We just finished a, a new quiz. We love doing quizzes and personalities. So we just finished a new one. Um, which will probably be launched probably by the time the podcast comes out because you need to finish it today. And it's which of the following famous business owners is your business uh, entrepreneurship style? And mm. so uh, we have these uh, all these different business owners. Um, and uh, so the, the six that we have, actually, I'll, I'll bring it up here. Um, we have Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Grant Cardone, Logan Paul, Warren Buffett, and Steve Wozniak. And our test uh, will let you know which, which one is you. But the, 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 the kicker is that each of them represents the six different C-suite heads of a company, which is the CEO, the COO, the CSO, the CMO, the CFO, and the CTO. I mean, I've got clients that are doing $70 million a year, and they don't have three of the people on that list. And that list is a key component to having a successful business. My company is smaller than a lot of the companies I help because I like getting my hands dirty in other people's companies. If I got my hands dirty in my own company, I would probably grow faster. But I prefer helping a supply chain company, a food transportation company, a construction company, than I do helping a company that helps companies. Because otherwise, you're one of those people that helps companies, that helps companies, that helps companies. It doesn't add anything to society. So I would rather 
put less time into my own and more time into, into these other companies. And obviously that works for them too. But my company does have all six heads. I do have a chief operations, a, a chief, um, a CEO, a chief executive officer, which is the visionary, which is like the Steve Jobs type character, yep. which would be me. I have um, the Elon Musk COO, chief operations officer, which is my vice president. Um, I have, uh, you know, the salesperson, which is Grant Cardone, um, which is, you know, our head of sales. Um, Logan Paul is the marketer. And so I've got my, my CMO that handles all our marketing. Um, and then we have the Warren Buffett type, the CFO is a guy called Dave that we chat to once a week and he does all the revenue predictions. And then we have our CTO, it's actually one of my best friends and he handles our web development. He's helping us um, build out this app. And so the whole idea is we want to educate people that the minute you look at a company, you should look at the six departments. Cause in any other company, I can pull up the org chart and see these six departments. And if your company A doesn't have an org chart and B doesn't have all six departments, I know where you're failing. You don't have a chief marketing officer. Okay. You don't have leads. You don't have a chief sales officer. Your revenue is not where you want it to be. You don't have a chief technical officer. You can have errors in all your websites and you're going to have systems collapsing. You don't have an operations officer. People aren't going to hit targets. Like I, I know. So the first thing I do in the company is go, who is who? And if the answer is, well, we don't really work like that. I'm like, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> and then for each of those departments, I have systems. So now I'm going to go through, if they don't have the department, I'll build it. If they do have the department, I'm going to go through my systems and cross-reference it to theirs and see how it's performing. So the next thing I'm going to ask is, okay, well, what are the KPIs of each department? Now, most CEOs won't even give themselves KPIs, which is crazy. No. You're the visionary of the company and you don't have key performance indicators. I'm like, I'm talking to you, but I can look at them above, above you. I can see my KPIs. Um, you know, of six KPIs I had to hit today, I'm three down the list and uh, I'll get the other three done by the end of the day. Um, one of them is play D&D with my friends. If you can see that. And I know it sounds crazy, but as a visionary, I add in the things that are fun. So I'm excited. It's usually the last, the last item of the day play Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, do sword fighting, something that I'm working towards, I really want. Um, and that's my KPIs, but all my staff have KPIs in every company I work in. If I go into your company, I'm like, Hey, so, um, how many phone calls does the sales guy have to make? And they're like, Oh, he does as many as he can. I was like, yeah, but what's the number though? I go, you know, like sometimes three, sometimes 10. I mean, he'll text like a hundred people. I'm like, but what's the number that you require? When does he get fired? And they don't want to have that conversation. Ooh, yeah. you know, like, they don't want to have that one, but that's the conversation we're going to have. And I'm like, okay, what's his conversion rate? Like if the sales guy has 20 phone calls, how many sales does he make? And they're like, well, we don't know that number. I'm like, so you have a sales guy that's not being tracked at all when your sales are low, or we could do the same for the marketing department. All right, this is your marketing guy. How many leads does he have to generate a week? Are they qualified? How do you qualify them? How do you know somebody's a buyer? And uh, what percentage of the leads that are sent in by the marketing guy that go to the sales guy close? Or is the sales guy generating his own leads, right? So these are things, and I'll analyze that for every department. And this, that's why I know what's fixed. This ex exactly goes into what you were talking about as far as time management, having as many companies as you do, as many things as you do. If you don't have the proper, well, one, like you said, organization, and then the systems to back it up. I don't care if, if you have a thousand hours a day, we only got 24. And if these things aren't in place, no wonder there's burnout. 
No wonder someone has a horrible personal life because he's not putting any focus or energy in it because he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And I'm looking just as, as you speak, I look at my businesses and I'm like, Oh shit. Oh shit. I don't, I don't, I don't want him to, <laughs> to be asking me these questions right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people don't, they don't, you know, a lot of people don't even want me in their company because they're like, Oh my God, this is going to hurt. Of course it's going to hurt. And then straight after the pain is the success. And I, I always say like the best businesses for me, the Texas based businesses that are doing between 750 K and 2.5 million a year. If you're in, if that's you, you should call me straight away. I'll make you more money. Um, if you're not in Texas, but you're in California, Florida, um, Chicago, not Illinois, but Chicago specifically, it's also worth talking. That doesn't mean I don't help other companies. I've got a $440 million company in Nebraska that I'm helping. That's completely different than the ones I just told you. But to me, that's a unicorn. They're not the normal companies I work with. I normally work with the like, you know, 2 million a year kind of companies based out of Texas. Because I'm based in Texas, it's easier for me to help. I can pop into the office and, and meet the staff. And, you know, whereas the Nebraska company, like it's harder for them to get me out there because of scheduling and I have to spend a day without my kids. Um, but yeah, I, I've got that for every department in your company. So, and then once we do that, once we tidy all that, I then, my actual specialty is upsells. Um, I am probably the world's leading expert on upsells. And that's really what I do. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's no one else really that, um, that has chosen to specialize in that, which is why I feel comfortable saying I'm one of the world's experts in it. Um, but, you know, I'm working with uh, daily.ai this Saturday, and uh, I'll be going in and, and spending a day with them um, as a consultant, helping them build out their upsell strategies and, and uh, you know, working what they can do to, to build even further. And that's the kind of stuff that I really like doing because they have all their stuff, you know, all their ducks in a row. And so once somebody's got their systems in a row, then the next question is, okay, well, how do we grow? And the fastest way to grow is with an upselling system. Um, and Forbes did a study, 70% of gross revenue comes from upsells in the companies that have upsell systems. So to put this in perspective, if you're making 3 million a year gross revenue, but you do not have upsells in place, you're missing out on potentially 7 million in revenue. Oh it's my not goodness. 70% of 3 million. It's 70% of your gross revenue is from upsells because there's only two ways to make more money, which is either to sell something you have developed to somebody new, which is what every business owner focuses on. I need more customers. I need more customers. Yep. But there is more money. And there's so many studies that back this. There is so much more money in selling something that you have never built before to people that love the things that you build. And, you know, you can think about Nike. Nike doesn't need to design new shoes. Why are they still doing it? Because it makes more money selling Nike shoes to people that buy Nike. Right? That's right. It's built into almost every business model. But now check this. I would go on record and I'd probably put money up that less than 10% of your listeners have an upsell system built in. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, a study was done by Digital Marketer internally, and they found that only 8% of their customers have an effective upsell in place. Some of them have like a one-click upsell or like an add to cart button or something, but that's not the same as an upsell system because an upsell system has to design a new product. That's part of it. It's not just, oh, we offer an upsell. No, you have to design one, and then you have to design a new one. Now, if you don't believe that this is real, check it out. Apple produces a new iPhone every year. 
They don't just have a add to cart button to add next year's iPhone. They have an entire department about analyzing what people are going to want on the next phone, all the market research, how to build it, what new technology needs to be there so that every year they can launch the iPhone and make a ton more money. And they do it year after year after year. Now that is an effective upsell system. Like I said, we're redesigning the smart blueprint again because that is an effective upsell system. But if you are not redesigning, relaunching, um, you know, uh, revisualizing everything, then you're not doing it. Yeah. Why did yeah? <laughs> Here in Nashville this weekend, I know it's this episode isn't going to air this weekend, but Taylor Swift is playing tonight, Saturday, Sunday, and she had mentioned something like that as well. Every time she comes up with an out a new album, she has to reinvent herself. She's upselling herself. Yes. And she is so prolific. So yes. prolific. You got it. And, and you'll see it time and time again. The best companies is what they do. And 70% of their gross revenue comes from this. Of all of Taylor Swift's money that she's ever made, 70% of it will be from reinventing herself and relaunching and relaunching and upselling and selling to people that bought something previously again. And that right there, to me, is the fastest, quickest, best way to grow. Um, with one exception, which is buying other companies, which is also something that I teach people to do. I like mergers acquisitions. So, yeah. Freaking incredible, man. Freaking incredible. Well, Adam, I'm going to ask you some superhero questions, all right? Go for it. All right. If you have one already, let us know. But if you don't, what would be a great superhero name for you? <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> it would be. The Lion of Militum. And the reason for that is because that's actually what they call me um, on the battlefield when I fight. So uh, once a year, I take part in a giant um, mass medieval combat. We have 5,600 people fight. And um, there's some history behind it. I fight in full armor. I, I fight with a sword and shield. And uh, they call me the Lion of Militum because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, at one point, there was a, it, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. There's a lot of politics and then you fight after the politics. So it's a two-part game. And there was a entire manipulation from a shadow council to move uh, the army that I fight with to switch sides, basically to betray their king. And uh, they were going to switch from the royal side to the empire. That's what was going on. And... Um, and I said no. And I stood against um, a lot of people. I mean, 350 people. And I was the first one. And I said, no, I won't betray the king. And it was a really serious moment because, I mean, they were, there was 350 people that wanted to beat me up because of this. Yeah. And, uh, and I stood them down. And, and I basically made it clear, if you guys all want to attack me, you'll probably kill me. But just remember, the first one's going to die. Like I don't, whichever you use first is going to die and I'm going to take out the next few as well. And I'll keep going until one of you get me. So it's fine. This 350. I'm like, it's totally fine for you to come at me. I get it. There's a lot of you, but who's coming with me? Like the first ones, I'll kill you first. You all know this is true. And, um, they didn't move forward and they just kind of stood there. And I was like, look, to me, it's really simple. You are either loyal and honorable or you're an oath breaker. So I choose loyalty and honor, and uh, I'm not an oath breaker. 
if you stand with me, cross the line and stand next to me. And um, I'd already spoken to one guy beforehand, so I knew he was going to do it. And so he did it. And I got my first guy and then a whole bunch of them started crossing the line and standing next to me. And suddenly it wasn't one against 350 and, and we had a force. And then the, the Royal uh, sort of like uh, defenders turned up and the King turned up and, and now we had a really big force and we were bigger than them. And, and so the betrayers left, but, but I kept a large chunk of, of them with me. And um, they started cheering for the, the Lion of Militum, which was the name of our army. Um, because they were like, yeah, he, he roared like a lion and stood up. And just because of Adam Lyons is where they made the joke. But so yeah, the yeah. Lion of Militum, that would be my superior name. And I have it. And I, people chant it and say it. So. Man, every time you bring up a story of your life, I just think I'm watching a movie, like a Hollywood movie, like a Hollywood movie of your life. Insane. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny. I think um, my wife says it all the time. She goes, you collect uh, movie moments. And, yep. you know, if I get an opportunity to do something that's ridiculous, I always say yes and do the thing. So, you know, obviously I'm not just going to join an MMA gym. I'm going to call a UFC fighter and, and be like, yo, can we fight? Obviously I'm going to stand against the people that are going to be betrayers to have my hero moment. Um, you know, like, cause, cause I'm going to, because that's more fun. I don't want to just follow everyone and be like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to follow everyone else. I'm going to be like, no, I don't agree with this. And I'm going to stand up. I'm going to tell everyone I don't agree with it and, uh, and be loud and vocal about it. Uh, and again, that's the challenging thing, right? Like, I'm not just going to listen. Like, no, I don't oh, yeah. care what your reason is. I'm going to stand up and, and that's done well for me. So I keep doing it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So what would be some of your superpowers? We've touched on a whole bunch of things. What would you consider some of your superpowers? Um, one of my future powers is I'm a futurist. Uh, so I, I think very far ahead about the outcome of any decision I make. And I only make decisions that lead to the outcomes I want. Um, and I probably spend you know, my morning, I, I get up and we have, we have beautiful land. We live on 40 acres. We have a hot tub and a cold plunge. And we actually have, um, the lighting on our land is built by the same company that do Disney World. So, I mean, it's beautiful. Like It's very beautiful. And um, so I, I sit in my hot tub and I, I imagine every decision I'm going to make and, and what outcomes that's likely to have. And I've done this for many, many years, I mean, decades. So I'm really good at predicting what's going to happen. And that's how I do those financial reports for companies and say, hey, I think this is going to be an issue. Same, same skill set. I'll just think about uh, on behalf of a company. And um, yeah, actually, it's funny. I was uh, One of my clients is a DJ right now, an EDM DJ. And I was sitting in the hot tub this morning and I messaged them and I was like, yo, what if you had dolls that were like DJ dolls? And they were like, oh my God, because they were trying to come up with merch and they were going to do t-shirts. And I was like, no, but what about DJ dolls? That's kind of cool. Like, because like EDM culture is kind of a thing. And, and a lot oh, of them, yeah. they, like, they like dolls, like, or they like, they like figurines, not dolls necessarily, but figurines. And so I, they were like flipping out over that this morning. They came to me in the hot tub because I was imagining them selling at a merch booth. And I was like, what would bring me over? Another t-shirt? No. But a statue? I was like, I would come over. Like, That's kind of cool. So anyway, um, so futurism is one. Um, uh, sword fighting, definitely. Um, sword fighting is, is a huge one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's absolutely massive. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have pretty insane peripheral vision. Uh, that comes from fighting on battlefields. Um, it, it's kind of hard to sneak up on me. It's kind of like a sixth sense, almost like spidey sense, but not exact. Um, I, I get like a sense of where people are around me. Um, and that definitely comes in handy, uh, in a fight. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's that, I think it's my ability to think ahead. I'm, I'm often a few steps ahead of, of other people. And I think oh, probably the last one is my ability to understand human psychology. 
I've spent many, many years because of dating and, you know, that's my background. I mean, that's what my degree is in, in school. I'm, I'm doing my master's right now in, in business and psychology of business. So that's definitely a, a big, strong skill set that I have. Um, so yeah. And I think, um, probably the final one is explaining things in a very simple way. So I'll take a complicated concept and, and explain it very simply. This has been useful because uh, other business experts will hire me to explain their ideas to people. Because I'm like, look, guys, let me, make, let me explain what we're actually doing here. And then I'll make it real simple with like stick men, you know, and everyone's like, oh, I get it now. I can imagine a CEO standing up there in a meeting and just being like, Adam, just come up here and tell them what I'm trying to say. That has happened more often than you can imagine. It happened today in our company. My CTO started explaining something to my vice president. And I was like, you're going to hate me. Can you just not speak? And let me just explain what you're saying. I was like, I know you're correct. And I also know the vice president's going to hate you if you finish the sentence. I was like, so let, let me have this. And so I, I outlined the whole CTO thing. And I think that's, you know, in business, uh, not really a superpower, but I've done every role. So I can code, I can build websites. I know how to balance books. I do marketing. Like I've done all the roles in a company. So I understand different components. I think that's, that's useful in business. What about superpower? Yeah. Well, I know your storytelling is another superpower and that ties into saying things in a simple way, right? Mm -hmm. you, Aesop's fables. You were talking about that earlier. Like there's something to be said about just simplicity. Ukulele, four chords. They say every country song, what is it? Every country song is three <laughs> word or three chords and a broken heart. And if you're yeah. Elvis, it's only two. So yeah. Well, actually, and, and you, you may like this. The reason I'm good at storytelling is again, I, actually hired some professional scriptwriters, filmmakers. Sweet. I, um, yeah, I, I actually, um, I even got into cinematography and I hired the film crew that did hook. If you remember back in the day. With, oh yeah. Rufio. Yeah. Rufio. Yeah. And so I hired them to teach me about, um, about filmmaking. I hired uh, a producer that made a bunch of universal movies, uh, pretty much every movie with Steven Seagal. He, he was behind and Ray Liotta. He did both of those. And I hired him to help me with script writing and production. And so that was one of the things I paid somebody, you know, for a few hours of work to be like, Hey, how do I do this? And they were like, well, these are the books you need to read for story writing. Um, you know, you should write a bunch of scripts. So I wrote a bunch of scripts for fun. Um, but yeah, I've actually, uh, I've got a document that breaks down how to tell a story um, that I have. So there we go. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. All right. One last superhero question. Yep. Who are your superheroes in your life? Don't, it could be past, present, and actually with your superpower future. Yeah, it's easy. Um, the superhero in my life, uh, there's two and um, potentially a third that I won't mention that's coming. Um, but there's a, there's a third um, that, that's, that's entering. Not there yet, but maybe. Um, the first is obviously my wife uh, or the woman that will be my wife. Uh, she's my superhero. Um, the way she looks at the world is just so incredible. And there are not many people in the world that defend me and she does. And um, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't really need defending, but I'm marrying a woman that will defend me. And um, yeah, that means a lot. And then um, I have an actual superhero. Uh, my son was born a mutant. So my son's actually a mutant and he has a real superpower that he was born with. So uh, my, my son has a disorder, a genetic disorder known as CAH, which is congenital adrenal hyperplasia. 
and he was born without the stress hormone. Oh, and wow. he, so he cannot feel stress ever. He doesn't get scared. It's really fun to jump out on him or take him to haunted houses because he doesn't get scared. It's really funny because the actors get very upset. They can't scare the eight-year-old, you know, so I, I love taking him and he thinks it's really funny as well. Um, but he, um, he's wired wrong. So whenever there is a stress response, his body naturally releases anabolic steroids. And um, in fact, his condition is recognized by the Olympic committee. So if he ever becomes an Olympian, if they test him for um, testosterone, he's going to test positive, but it's actually bypassed because it's just like having longer legs. He just can generate it. So um, yeah. he, he roid rages um, and it's not like, he's actually a very well-behaved child. And because he doesn't stress, it's very hard to get him angry. But when he does get, so he's not like a trouble kid, but when he does get angry, you can just see this pure rage in his face and he wants to smash things. But um, he, like I said, he's very well behaved. So he kind of just keeps it in and he'll just like breathe heavy and he'll be like, dad, I'm so angry. I'm so angry and I don't know what to do. And he just keeps saying it. And, and I love that he's not lashing out at people, right? He's not being, he's not smashing everything, but you can see this pure anger in his face. Like he just wants to wreck. Um, and so we always joke that he was born with the Hulk's superpowers because he doesn't. I was, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have fear, and the the, the more stressed he gets, the the angrier and, and stronger he gets because his body releases the anabolic steroids. Um, there's a downside, and, and the reason I talk about it, I've actually raised money for charity for this before. Um, he has to have medicine every eight hours, or he'll drop in a coma, and and that will be the end of him. So we have a very rigid medicine routine in our house. We have alarms that go off every eight hours, and, and we run and we get his medicine. He has like a 45 minute window to get it. Uh, there are different types of his condition. Some of it is mild. He unfortunately has the really, really strong one that is the one that they don't really understand it fully yet. Um, it, they believe it might be one of the leading, leading causes of crib death because if they don't catch it early, um, right. the, the, the child can pass away in the night and they don't know why. Um, so yeah, so we have to give him pills every eight hours. And I always tell him, I was like, the fact you have to have medicine every eight hours, that's your kryptonite. It's like you, right. if you don't have your medicine, that's your weakness. And any, any, any villain can defeat you if they stop you getting your medicine. I was like, but you were born a superhero. You're a, you're a mutant, just like X-Men. I was like, um, you know, you're, you're born with the Incredible Hulk's powers, dude. So, um, yeah, you're, you're my little superhero. So I got one. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a superhero. You had mentioned raising money or awareness for this. Where can the listeners find more information about this? So one of the, one of the leading uh, areas for it is the, the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. That's where my son was born. And they, they caught it because they're one of the leading world experts on the illness. And so they had a natural screening for it. And it's weird. All my kids were born in Texas, except for that one. We were just randomly in LA at the time. And, and um, it was crazy because we lived in Texas. We had this weird move to LA. That's when he was born. And then we came back. And I was like, man, if we'd never made that move, I don't know if Texas would have caught it. So, um, you know, I always just say to people, it's a children's hospital. It's in Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles, um, you know, there are a lot of people that struggle out there. If you can help out the hospital, help out the hospital. Don't do it through me. You don't need a link from me. I'm, I don't want anything for it. Just it's a good hospital and they're good people. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. How do the listeners, besides going to your website, what's kind of just the, you know, quick step-by-step -step to get in touch with you and reach out for your services? Um, well, I would say go to the smartblueprint.com forward slash gift. There's two different gifts that are currently available. We're always adding more um, and we, we cycle them out. So at the moment, there's one on time management and there's another one on using AI to write your first book if you haven't written a book yet. Um, and we've got more coming. 
Um, I think the next one we're adding is actually one on sales scripts. So we're, we're going to add our sales script in there. But you just choose the gift you want. And then we ask you some market research questions. And at the end, if you qualify and we, and we know we can help your company, one of our team members will reach out to you straight away and be like, hey, you know what? You tripped our, our system and let us know. And actually, it's really cool that it's worth going through it because that is one of our systems for, uh, for sales because it fires off if you're likely to buy from us or not. And we actually oh, will not contact you if you come up as a low priority because we don't want to waste your time. Um, and it's not whether you're likely to buy or not, because um, believe it or not, some of the answers you think, oh, if I pick this, then I'm definitely likely to buy, but you'll actually be wrong. Because like revenue is one of them, right? If you, if you pick a revenue that's too high, we won't work with you. So there's, <laughs> there's like, it's a balance. There's an art to it. But if you just answer truthfully and you come up as somebody that we know we can help, our team will actually reach out to you and be like, yo, let's talk to you. Let's make this happen. And, and I mean, you'll get contacted by my vice president if you come across as a high scoring person. We don't even let the regular salespeople deal with it. It's if we know we can help you in your ideal and it's kind of worth it just to, just to see the system because it's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Thanks. If you had to leave the audience with one, I know we covered a lot of ground, yeah, just one tip, one tool, one thing that they can implement in their life immediately today, what would it be? Um, send a text message right now to every customer you've ever had. And the text message is, if there was one thing that I could develop that you would want me to create that I have not yet developed and that I don't currently sell, what would it be? You're going to get a number of responses back. Whatever response shows up the most often is the thing that your clients are hoping you're going to develop that you have yet to develop. And if they say that, they'd actually be willing to give you money for you to develop it. And you can pull a Kickstarter. You don't need Kickstarter. You can just say to them, if I develop this, would you be willing to put down a deposit to get on a waiting list for me to build it? Um, and you can, you can actually just get cash like right now. I actually, um, one of my favorite talks to do is I'll, I'll say at the beginning of a talk, I'll say this script and have people text. By the end of the talk, one hour later, I've had people make like $12,000 in sales live while I'm there. And they're like, and ne it's never more than 12. It's always like quite a small number because it's only one hour. But they're like, I just made so much money from a single text message. I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. That's what I do. So, Hey, I would love to make $12,000 in an hour. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, pay rate right there. Send that text message to everybody you've ever worked with. Just, hey, random question. If there's one thing that you wished I would develop, but I haven't developed yet. What would it be? That's if they keep track of all those customers, right? Uh, the good news is <laughs> you have it in your email. You have it in your CRM. That's true. There is the, the, contacts, the system's media. already set up for you that way. Yeah. yeah. Post it live on <laughs> post it live on your Facebook. Make it your Facebook status. Make it really easy. Ah, there you go. There yeah. you go, man, Adam. I really wish we had more time. <laughs> I, uh, you are incredible. You are Thank an you. incredible man, incredible person. I know you're going to make an amazing husband. You are already an amazing father. So thank you for sharing a little bit about your personal life, a little bit about your professional life. Um, I just loved every minute of this conversation. You're awesome. What a fun podcast. Totally different to normal. I love it. Really cool. Well, I really appreciate it. So thank you once again for coming on. And for those listening, it doesn't get better than Adam, the lion of Militoon lions. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah. 
I, I'm just I'm speechless right now. Usually I have this like nice outro and everything, but check out his website. Definitely check it out because he has helped so many businesses so far in such a short amount of time. Like the numbers are staggering. He can help your business as well. So check out the smartblueprint.com. Check him out also on Instagram at the Adam Lyons and check out his podcast. I know we didn't talk much about it, but if it's if you've heard anything from this conversation that resonates with you, that you like business related or not, check out his podcast, Smart Businesses Do This. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ace. Have a wonderful wedding. I know you're going to have a great time. Have a great honeymoon. And man, until our paths meet again. Appreciate you. All righty. For you listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. We're here every week, same bat time, same bat channel. And also remember, with great power, there also must come great responsibility. And like that, he's gone. Peace out. <laughs>